Welcome to the Paranormal Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Thanks for stopping by. This is the place to explore mysteries, investigate the otherworldly, and share stories of the inexplicable and the strange. You see, within the realm of our daily, ordinary lives, there is a paranormal factor always waiting to reveal itself. So let's begin exploring together the truly weird. Welcome, listeners, and thanks for joining us on the Paranormal Factor Podcast. I'm thrilled you could join me for this new episode, where we take a look at two very weird cryptids, Bat Squatch and Sheep Squatch. While these two creatures might be considered in the minor league of monsters by some, I would strongly disagree. Their backstories, well, they're unique, as are their bizarre appearance, and many have seen these creatures over the past decades. But before we start, as a reminder, please be sure to take a look at the Paranormal Factor Podcast Facebook page. Every single day, Monday through Friday, there is new paranormal and supernatural material for you to check out. Fans of the show know it's the best place to find monsters, quizzes, film, TV, and book recommendations, and current paranormal news stories from around the world. Now, on to our episode. Near Point Pleasant, West Virginia, home to another more famous cryptid, the Mothman, several family members are on their way home from a family reunion. They're driving through a remote area of the state, down old gravel roads, roads really that are probably better suited for ATVs. The forest is quiet and empty. The ground is snow-covered, forcing a slow and slippery drive over the gravelly back roads. As they pass an area of the backwoods, something huge and monstrous rises up from the side of the road, seemingly out of nowhere. The family members would later describe this creature that emerges as being seven to eight feet tall and covered in shaggy fur. But scarier still, this monster, well, it has legs like a man, a face like a sheep, and most prominent, large ram horns on its huge head. And the family would not be the first or last to see this eerie creature as it appeared in various counties across West Virginia. It is the Sheep Squatch. Meanwhile, on the other side of the United States in Washington State, a fearsome monster is rising out of the ashes. Literally. As the ash from the Mount St. Helens volcanic eruption settles, people begin reporting a strange new creature being spotted, enormous and capable of flight. It will continue to be seen for decades and earns the name Bat Squatch based on its massive Bigfoot-like size and huge bat wings. These two monstrous creatures are not beings you would want to meet alone in the dead of night. Actually, you wouldn't want to meet them on a sunny sidewalk either. The names alone tell you that you are about to encounter something very strange and different than your standard Squatch. So let's meet these two scary beings. We start in the east with the Sheep Squatch. Sheep Squatch, also known as the White Thing, is a woolly-haired cryptid reported across numerous counties in West Virginia. Predominantly within the southwestern area of the state, it's described as being a quadruped about the size of a bear with entirely white wool-like fur. It has a long and pointed head, similar to a dog, but with long, sharp teeth and claws, and large horns said to resemble those found on a ram. 
Its forelimbs end in paw-like hands, similar to those of a raccoon, but larger, although they have been described as human-like at times. It's also reported to have a tail that is long and hairless like that of an opossum. And while it's usually a quadruped, it has also been reported as bipedal at times. With a somewhat demonic connotation, it's alleged to smell like sulfur, which has been attributed through folklore to the beast being born within the TNT area in Mason County, like the Mothman. The other possibility is this may be a musk scent gland instead, similar to those found in many species like weasels and skunks. If so, then maybe it's a natural cryptid versus demonic entity. The TNT area itself is just chock full of amazing weirdness, says Kurt McCoy, author of White Things, West Virginia's Weird White Monsters. White things are exactly what they sound like. They're indefinable creatures, the color of ghosts, linen tablecloths, and pure-driven snow. Stories crop up all over the U.S., but McCoy says they are especially prevalent in West Virginia. Over the years, he's amassed many tales of the white things. McCoy has heard stories and run across everything from something that was described as a huge stingray to an owl-type thing. The classic white thing is shaped sort of like a badger with a bushy tail, notes McCoy, and ranges in size from a dog to larger than a person. And then, of course, there's the infamous sheep squatch. Sheep squatch first appeared in the 1990s. The earlier legend you heard of the family making their way home after a family reunion, it may have been the first reported sighting. Sheep squatch, as it would come to be called, froze when it spotted the car, then bolted into the woods. Taking a cue from the mysterious beast, well, the family also sped away as fast as the wintry conditions would allow. McCoy notes it was not an overly dramatic encounter. Encounters with sheep squatch, for the most part, do seem to be tame and infrequent. A miner spotted a big white, gray thing and declared it not to be an animal, but wouldn't go further than that. A motorist spotted an animal on a hill with a long face that looked to be covered in rags or perhaps shedding a winter coat while a hunter encountered a large white creature crouched by a river with horns and what seemed to be human hands. The sheep squatch has no popular backstory, no tales of sheep and radioactive slime or weird experiments gone wrong. In fact, the sheep squatch name is sometimes used as a blanket term for anything scary and white. Initial sightings of the sheep squatch state it ran from people, but it seems to have become more aggressive over time. Given the locations of sightings, there is speculation it is from the TNT area, like the Mothman. Though, whether it shares anything with that famous cryptid is anyone's guess. Of late, the sheep squatch is said to move quickly and aggressively towards other animals and people, while making terrifying noises. And the creature itself has a knack for quickly disappearing. The counties with the most sightings of sheep squatch are from Boone, Kanawha, Putnam, and Mason. A large surge in sightings took place in Boone County during the mid-1990s. In 1994, a former Navy seaman declared having witnessed the beast breaking through the forest. The white thing breached the brush line and knelt to drink from the nearby creek. It drank for a few minutes before casually crossing the creek and continuing on toward a nearby road. The witness stated that he observed the animal for a while before it moved on into the surrounding brush. Within the same year, two children observed the creature while playing in their yard within Boone County. They reported what looked like a large white bear, yet in this case it stood up on its hind legs, making it over six feet tall. 
Startled by the children, the beast ran off through the forest, breaking medium-sized limbs off of trees in its path. Another encounter in 1995, a year later, involved a couple driving through Boone County. They noticed a large white beast sitting in the ditch along the road. Well, as any curious passerby might do in such a situation, they stopped their car to get a better look at it. Bad move. In glaring contrast to the last sighting where the sheep squatch fled the scene, the creature leaped out of the ditch and started to attack the car. Frightened by the attack, the couple drove off quickly and once they arrived back at home, noticed large scratches on the side where the beast had attacked. It was described again as a large white animal with woolly fur about the size of a bear. In this case, however, it was also described as having four eyes. Rather odd attribute not seen in other accounts. Another incident in 1999 involved a couple of campers who were in the forest at night again in Boone County around a bonfire. They eventually heard an animal snorting and scuffling around the camp in a manner similar to an aggravated bear, though it didn't come into the light of the campfire immediately. Then, all of a sudden, the sheep squatch suddenly charged out of the darkness at the campers. Reacting quickly, they jumped up and ran back into their cabin, all the while being pursued by the sheep squatch. Since giving chase is a natural reaction of a predator when a creature flees, its initial so-called attack could have simply been a mock charge or bluff, as black bears will do. The white thing stopped at the edge of the forest and let out a terrible scream. It then turned around and headed back into the woods. The next morning, the campers returned to their campsite and found it tore up. They said it looked like someone had tilled up the ground for gardening. Two men from Breckenridge County, Kentucky, Dakota Cheeks and Ricky Joyce, described their encounter with a sheep squatch on a hunting trip in 2004. After a restless sleep due to loud screams and noises outside their camper, the two awoke in the morning to find one of their dogs dead. Though they got on four-wheelers and searched the immediate area, they couldn't find any tracks or other indications a predator had visited their site. They were completely stumped on what could have happened. About 5 a.m. the next morning, they were woke by the dogs barking and felt something massive crash into the camper. Grabbing guns, they burst outside. They again set out to locate the disappearing creature. In a field near a cemetery, they found the massive beast. Cheeks described it as nearly nine feet tall, white and hunching over. It had curved hands with long talons and uttered horrific growls. With fear overcoming them, the two hunters lost all composure. Shooting at the monster, they ran to their vehicles and fled back to camp. They don't know if they hit the creature or not. As a kid, you're not really sure what's in the dark, Cheek said. Once you see what's just beyond the light is when you realize that all your innocence is gone. In Folks Run, Virginia, in 2015, the beast was spotted once again in the forests of Appalachia. The creature was seen close to midnight by six campers spending the night in the dense woods. The beast was reportedly eight to nine feet tall, with a shoulder length of four to five feet. That is huge. One of the campers first saw the beast at the top of a nearby hill in a crouching position. When it stood up, he alerted the other campers. Then it started running down the steep hill toward the campers, but they were separated by a river that was flowing through. They looked on in horror, however, as it searched for a way to cross, and with no other option, began to wade through the river. It finally came out of the water, and the campers reported that it appeared like a bipedal dog in the chest, with its fur wet from the river crossing. Then, a loud, horrible screech was heard, about two miles away from where they were, 
This caused the sheep squatch to look up in shock. The campers watched in fear as it let out a pitiful whimper, then in a sprint, ran in the opposite direction of the noise. The campers quickly packed and left, then reported it to the locals, fearing that if the authorities were informed, they'd be ridiculed. And what about the other creature that frightened something so massive and scary as a sheep squatch? Bigfoot? Mothman? Well, you know you're in trouble when the thing in front of you isn't as terrifying as whatever is coming. Well, what could be worse than a massive monster with ram's horns? Well, how about one with giant bat wings? Let's head west and meet the Bat Squatch. Mount St. Helens is an active volcano in the Cascade Mountains in Washington, about 100 miles south of Seattle. In 1980, it erupted, causing avalanches and spewing ash 70,000 feet into the air. After the blast, the area around the mountain was filled with ash and silence. And then something began to emerge in the desolate landscape. It always came at night, and it was always accompanied by a terrible silence. Not long after, people began seeing a very strange creature. The first sightings of the monster occurred post-St. Helens eruption. It seemed to appear everywhere. Curious people, rescuers, investigators, or anyone trampling around the blast zone were aware, from word-of-mouth warnings, that something was roaming the area. This creature was said to be nine feet tall, to have yellow eyes, a dog-like muzzle, blue fur, sharp teeth, bird-like feet, and leathery bat-like wings with a span of up to 50 feet. In addition, it seemed to have strange supernatural powers. The beast is said to have psychic abilities. Telekinetic powers allow it to affect man-made objects like car engines, radios, and television sets. It eventually would be given the name Bat Squatch, due to its size being comparable to a regular Sasquatch. And, of course, those wings. With it being sighted first near Mount St. Helens, some speculated perhaps the creature came out of the volcanic eruption. Those who have witnessed it say it resembles a flying primate, that it's a huge flying cross between a bat and a sasquatch, and it's said to have the weight of two adult grizzly bears. At night, during those few years after the eruption, only the brave and foolish would dare go out into the darkness and try their luck. For years, the bat squatch was a Washington state legend, a creepy creature folks would frighten their children with, a mythology, tall tale, folklore, and nothing more. The St. Helens eruption was fading from memory. The area was recovering. The local economy was getting back on its feet. So why dwell on a weird bat creature? Despite an abundance of sightings, there were no concrete encounters with the beast. But that would soon change. Fourteen years after the eruption, the first close encounter with Bat Squatch was reported. On April 19, 1994, 18-year-old Brian Canfield was driving a truck at night near Buckley, Washington, in the foothills of Mount Rainier. It was approximately 9.30 p.m. Suddenly, the truck's engine died. The dashboard lights fell dark and his pickup truck screeched to a halt in the road. The beams of his headlights lit the road ahead, however, and cut into the darkness on the edge of the forests around Mount Rainier's foothills. As Canfield pondered his predicament, 30 feet in front of him came a new cause for concern. The headlights had picked up something rapidly descending from the sky. As he watched in awe, a huge bat-winged creature landed on the roadway, hard, hard enough to send up a large puff of dust. 
The creature was described as nine feet tall with bluish fur. It had a wolf-like face, yellow eyes, tufted ears, and a large mouth filled with sharp white teeth. Its feet were described as bird-like, and on its back were two folded massive wings attached to the shoulders. It was standing there staring at me like it was resting, like it didn't know what to think. I was scared. It raised the hair on me, Canfield said. I didn't feel threatened. I just felt um, out of place. The creature did not linger long, a mere few minutes. Then its fingers twitched and its wings began to unfold, wings that were as wide as the entire road. It turned to glance at Canfield one last time and took off in the direction of Mount Rainier. The only sign of its passing was the scattering rock and sway of the truck caused by the turbulence of its takeoff. A few minutes later, the truck sprang back into life on its own, as if the disturbance that caused its malfunction had just disappeared. And Canfield took off for home as fast as he could. On arriving home, he nervously sketched the creature. Its strange appearance was a shock to his parents, but they did believe his story. His mother Sandra would later tell a reporter he was so scared she could see his hair standing on end. They recruited a neighbor to drive back with them to the spot to investigate. Still greatly frightened, but this time accompanied by his parents and a neighbor, Canfield returned to the location of his astonishing encounter. He had hoped to find something that could provide physical proof of his experience, but was unable to do so. Searching all around the area, the four could not find any evidence, and there was no sign of the creature. C.R. Roberts of the Tacoma News Tribune interviewed Canfield on his experiences with the creature and would later publish an article detailing the story. Using Canfield's description, Roberts would be the first to dub the sighted monstrosity Bat-Squatch, due to the combination of bat features with the already popular legend of Sasquatch. Roberts was convinced of Canfield's sincerity. He stated Canfield's reputation for honesty and a temperate lifestyle were such that no one acquainted with him had any doubt he was telling the truth. Roberts stated, It's almost pleasant to consider a monster no one can explain. It's, well, it's pleasant for the rest of us, perhaps, but not for Brian Canfield. While Canfield's encounter is the most thoroughly documented, there have been other sightings of the creature over the decades, some stranger than others. Canfield's account would spread the story across the Pacific Northwest. Afterwards, more locals would step forward with their own sightings of Bat-Squatch. That included local liquor store owner Butch Whitaker. Whitaker claimed to have seen Bat-Squatch during a midday flight in his personal plane over the area Canfield had been driving. According to him, Bat-Squatch had flown beside him for several minutes before turning and disappearing from view. In 2009, a group of hikers were making their way up Mount Shasta in Northern California when they reported seeing a flying humanoid creature with bat-like features fly from the mouth of a crevice in the mountain. They described what they saw as looking like a man as stocky as wrestler Hulk Hogan. It had leathery wings 50 feet from one end to the other and the face of a bat. In June 2011, a man was in his yard walking his dog. The man went to pick up the dog when he saw something flying in the sky overhead, something massive with great wings. I saw something flying uh, above in the sky. It had bat wings, blue fur, and had a face with eyes glowing red, he said. It was about nine feet tall at the least. After I watched it for a few minutes, it just flew away. But let's take a few moments to consider the skeptical perspective. 
Was it Bat Squatch the dog walker saw in 2011? The description did seem to match that of Brian Canfield, right down to the blue fur. Though, who knows for sure, right? After all, the Canfield story and its specifics have been known in the Pacific Northwest for years. It would not be difficult to resurrect them in a new sighting incident. It seems the report almost too conveniently ticks off all the right boxes. Skeptics of both the Sheep Squatch and Bat Squatch tales will remind you these are merely hearsay stories born out of legends, folklore, and campfire tales. Sheep Squatch made its way into American folklore with the 1965 book The Telltale Lilac Bush and Other West Virginia Ghost Tales by Ruth Ann Music. A folklorist, Music put forth the idea that the white thing has both a physical and phantom or spiritual presence. As the white thing gained in popularity and stories of it began to spread, it would later become known as Sheep Squatch, a name owing more to people trying to give it a name that is more accurately descriptive of what it looks like, an impossible hybrid of sheep and Sasquatch. Skeptics insist this is evidence of it just being a folklore. Meanwhile, they'll say, poor Bat Squatch got one of the most improbable origin stories of all, a creature escaping to the surface through an active volcano? Well, scientists will tell you that is simply impossible. All life we know of has mere moments to live at a temperature of just 140 degrees Fahrenheit. An active volcano has temperatures that are easily 10 to 20 times higher. So, other than pure legend-infused imagination, what is Bat Squatch? At most, skeptics say a natural explanation will suffice. Just misidentified large owl or other birds, maybe a big bat, or even a tree swaying in the breeze. It may even have arisen as a story to scare children into behaving, as we've seen with other legends like the Rougarou. That's what the skeptics say, but not what eyewitnesses feel their truth to be. It is true the phenomenon gains momentum every summer, particularly in campgrounds, as folks start to tell entertaining stories around the fire concerning the fearsome monsters. But for many of those who have reported seeing these legendary creatures, the nightmares don't go away. The fear remains, especially the fear that they might encounter the beasts again in the future. Faced with an enormous ram-headed horror alone on a dirt road, or encountering a massive bat-winged creature in the dead of night, would test the fear level of any of us. We would certainly be scared, overwhelmed with the discovery of something otherworldly, maybe fearful of ridicule, and possibly, in some way, scarred for life. Our eyewitnesses feel the same burden of carrying an unwanted memory of a paranormal confrontation. If you ask them, they'll tell you they know what they saw and experienced, and it was very real indeed. With that sentiment in mind, Let's give the last word to Bat Squatch eyewitness, Brian Canfield. It did happen. I'm willing to put my life on it. I just have this picture in front of my head, the picture of it standing there. I can't get rid of it. It's just there. I kind of wish it didn't happen. Well, in our next episode, we're counting down the top three cases in Texas UFO history. Since we covered the Lubbock Lights fully in Season 2, Episode 27, we'll skip rehashing that one, though it is a very compelling case. No, you'll be getting three new UFO cases to consider. 
the best of Texas from a long list of UFO incidents. We'll travel back to 1897 Aurora to investigate an airship, visit the very strange 1957 Leveland sightings, and the terrifying Dayton, Texas encounter of 1980. So join us as we take a look at the top three Texas UFO cases next time on the Paranormal Factor Podcast. And now it's time for the episode quiz. Man, I love quiz time. I hope you do too. Here's your question. According to a 2021 study, how many Americans report a belief in ghosts? Is it 17%, 28%, 36%, or 41%? Once again, according to a 2021 study, how many Americans reported a belief in ghosts? Was it 17%, 28%, 36%, or 41%? And the answer is... D, 41%. According to a 2021 YouGov study, 41% reported a belief in ghosts. 20% polled were unsure if they believe in ghosts. By comparison, 43% of polled Americans believe demons exist. And 18% of adult Americans claim they've seen or been near a ghost, according to a 2009 Pew Research Center survey. 29% claim they've been touched by someone who died. The last time Gallup surveyed people about ghosts in 2005, 32% of respondents said they believed in ghosts or that spirits of dead people can come back in certain places and situations. When Gallup asked that same question in 1990, the result was only 25%, so it appears this belief has been steadily growing during the last 30-plus years. A good question is why? is belief in ghosts growing. One possible answer is the significant growth in paranormal television, film, and media of all sorts. Sharon Hill is the author of the 2017 book, Scientifical Americans, The Culture of Amateur Paranormal Researchers. She sees the rise of nonfiction paranormal television shows like Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters as especially significant in the culture. Ghost Hunters, which premiered in 2004 and originally ran for 11 seasons, portrayed the search for paranormal activity as a discipline. They had gadgets, they talked in jargon, it sounded professional, Hill says. It was convincing to the person at home that this was a serious thing going on in the world. And then, says Hill, because of the rise of the interest in the paranormal, it was really very easy for tabloids to pick up cheap stories of people saying they have demons in their house or they've seen a ghost, or they got something creepy on their video cam. And of course, the internet has allowed people across the world to connect with each other over paranormal interests, she added. Some researchers are now studying whether the rise may be tied in part to the rise over the last few decades of Americans claiming no religious preference. According to a Gallup poll in 2020, the share of Americans who belonged to religious congregations fell below 50% for the first time in more than 80 years. People are looking to other things or non-traditional things to answer life's big questions that don't necessarily include religion, says Thomas Moen, a sociologist at Bowling Green State University. Even as religious frameworks for thinking about the meaning of life and death have become less popular in the U.S., the big existential questions still remain. The General Social Survey 
found as religious affiliation declined over four decades, belief in the afterlife remained relatively steady. In 2018, about 74% of those surveyed believed in the afterlife. It's even possible the pandemic has had an impact. Don Collins is a director of Fringe Paranormal, a group in Toledo, Ohio, investigating the paranormal. Collins says his team has been contacted for investigations or information on a weekly basis, as opposed to the typical one or two requests per month they got before the pandemic. Joseph Baker, co-author of American Secularism, puts it another way. Religion and supernatural belief tend to go up in times of what we would call existential crisis or more existential perils, he said. The increased suffering and death caused by the pandemic may bring up issues of wondering about spirits of loved ones, Baker says. Believing in the supernatural can even be a source of comfort. Emily Madorakawa, a biographer of Victorian-era women, offers a historical parallel. There was certainly a real spike in people who sought the services of mediums and comfort in spiritualism about the time of the American Civil War, she says. Whatever the possible reasons are for the rise in belief in ghosts, if recent reports are any indication, it seems likely that belief will continue to be high in coming years and may continue to grow higher still. Well, that'll do it for this episode. A theme song is Knockers by Cinco, courtesy of Upbeat Music. Hey, before you leave, if you could, please do me just two favors. First of all, if you did enjoy the show, please leave a like on your favorite listening application. And secondly, if you liked what you heard, please spread the word. Love to have some new listeners out there to join you. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Keep your eyes open for the unusual folks, and thanks for stopping by. <laughs>